champions! What's up? I hope all is well. If you made it this far, uh, you've probably established... I'm jumping on the podcast bandwagon. I appreciate you coming here for uh, the earliest goings. Uh, that's This is this is the first one. It's going to be a, bit, a pretty topical. It's going to spend... We're mostly going to go over the things that I'm spending a lot of time looking at. And for work the stories i'm covering on on a weekly basis uh you know some of them were ongoing stuff we're always looking at always looking at those dope cuts always you know pulling for those folks on the hill wanting to make it through this grand legalization uh experience project but you know generally speaking we're gonna go over uh a lot of the stuff i've i've been covering and you know we'll we'll kick it off kind of i'll kind of let plan is to let you know everything i'm gonna run down and, uh, you know, if you want to stick around for any, we'd love to have you for this, this first, this first go around, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be talking about Colorado hitting a billion in tax dollars total since they leave, since, uh, they implemented amendment 64 back in, uh, January of 2014. We're going to talk about the church of England investing in the cannabis industry since England legalized medical cannabis last year. Everyone's hyped on that. On sadder things, uh, too. Canada ban- Canada banning uh, flight crews from consuming cannabis for for 28 days before a shift on a plane, or if you uh, you know other other you know essential staff personnel, flight controllers. That's that's the phrase I was looking for. Um, we're going to talk about the first outdoor crop on the East Coast. Super exciting stuff. The uh the, the so much. Uh, hope for patients to get more affordable medicine in growing cannabis outside. No electric bill, obviously. So we're going to get to that. We're going to talk. I have a little perspective on that, on, you know, what that'll look like long-term, but it's exciting. It's, uh, it's going to, it's going to happen and needed to happen and plants are in the ground. That was dope. But uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's the gist. So let's, Let's dive right in to the tax revenue in Colorado. Fantastic stuff. So they broke, you know, a, a billion in total going to the state since uh, since January one. So in total, six point five six billion dollars of cannabis has been sold in Colorado since that day. Four point four six billion of it went to the adult use market, and then another. 2.1 billion went to medical sales. Uh, so obviously the people that backed uh, Amendment 64 are, are thrilled. This is you know they weren't uh, they they didn't do it for the the money. They did it for the criminal justice aspects, the social aspects. You know, uh, not putting people in cages over a plant. But you got you know got to call call it like you see it. And there's obviously a lot of benefit in Colorado getting a billion dollars from this market. It's wild how it kind of broke down. The, the, they got it. They got it across a few different mechanisms. So a lot of it came in through the special taxes uh, on pot. That was five hundred fifty-eight million. So you know, six almost six. You know, more than half of it. The next, uh, the state sales. Then another excise tax brought in a bunch of it, and then. In the end, the only the smallest piece of it came from the licensing, actually the the fees and all that jazz. That was only seventy million, uh, and then they cut it. They cut it up across uh, a lot a lot of things, but the bulk of it 
went to the education system. Roughly uh, 42% of the money collected since 2014 ended up with public schools. Uh, the lion's share going to the Capital Construction Assistance Fund. So I'm here. I'm out here in California where we haven't built a college and gotten like 30 years. And over in Colorado, they just, you know, put a giant sum of money, or excuse me, $194 million specifically into that fund uh, to to make their education, the infrastructure uh, of their education system that much better and help those kids. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Got to be super hyped on that. Checking boxes. Big, big, uh, big deal. Big deal. Uh, you know, this, you know, cannabis legalization, cannabis legalization at the heart of it is, is a criminal justice issue. But as we hit these milestones on uh, the other cultural impacts it has, you need to take note of the success stories. And obviously, Colorado earning a billion dollars off of legal cannabis. How, how much, you know, how much money does that account? That doesn't even account for how much money would have ended up in the black market. You know, if, if they had, if that six billion, six point five billion dollars worth of cannabis hadn't, you know, had been sold, there was no, there would have been nothing for the state to earn, get not, excuse me, nothing for the state to get out of it. And now, you know, the school system has half, you know, close to half a billion dollars more. So you tell them, you know, if that's not a success story, I don't know what is. Also exciting, the Church of England. So we we dove in a little on on the intro when I explained what we'd be chatting about. Uh, but the, the Church of England is in. Uh, it, it's pretty wild. Uh, they just they just announced it in the, la- in the last week or so. Uh, but you know, the, essentially, the Church of England has the, the, these commissioners that control this endowment that has over ten billion dollars worth of assets. And then what they do is they invest that in responsible, church-friendly, God-friendly, uh, not heathenistic things. To make a buck and for the church, and the church lives off uh, parts part of, and the, excuse me, all that money that they raise obviously goes back into the the nonprofit aspects of the church and supporting the clergy stuff like that. Uh, so they got ten billion dollars to work with. Some of that money from the church's endowment is now going to make its way to the cannabis industry, according to the church. Since cannabis is now legal in the UK, as of uh, the last, uh, you know, six months, or excuse me, seven months, the that now falls within investing in cannabis now falls within the church's ethical investment policy. Uh, those are guidelines to generate the kinds of profits uh, th- that they can generate that they can earn from stuff like gambling, alcohol, and tobacco. Any investment made in cannabis at this point would be strictly medical so exciting i had some theories about strain ideas for the church my first one was like henry the ace heavenly split just yet but then i had a vision and i settled on in bolin headless band for the headband fans in the crowd shout outs to you but yeah so you know it's what type what does that say about the there's the state of cannabis today in, in Europe, how things are going over there, that the Church of England is down. Not only with the idea that it's a compassionate thing to provide people access to the medicine that works best for them, but the idea that they can make a buck off it in the process. Uh, that is pretty wild. Uh, anyone who says otherwise is nuts. And uh, we're, you know, 
super super excited to see the progress wonder curious to when rome will get in the mix the holy see they got a lot of a lot of property they can throw some lights up in it would be pretty magical uh i was an altar boy myself <laughs> go back go back and run the drip lines <laughs> oh but nevertheless uh as we noted earlier it's not all chipper it's not all fun Canada uh, banning flight crews from smoking weed for 28 days before they take a shift. That is ridiculous to me. No one's high for 28 days. Like nobody, you don't need to pass completely pass a drug test to to for everyone else to be safe. It's it's that simple. It's ridiculous. I don't I don't quite understand the logic. Even you know you go on somewhere like the the what I quoted in uh, the addiction blog was like even the craziest weed. You're only you, you might if you, if you're lucky. According, <laughs> this is according to the addiction blog. Addiction blog, not me. If you're lucky, really lucky, you might get high for 24 hours. <laughs> but that's hyper rare. Um, and even crazier, they only got to be sober. They uh, they only got to stay off the bottle. For like twelve hours before they take a shift, that that's oh, come on, come on. You gotta be so it's like works out to like fifty six times or whatever you know. You have, you have to uh, you can't you can have a beer twelve hours before you're you are going to be taking part in some type of uh flight. You know, I I'd, I'd switch. Come on, would you rather a guy that smoked a joint the night before flying your plane or a guy that drank a six pack? You know, it's that's a personal question for a lot of people. Me, I would tend to lean towards the joint, and I certainly wouldn't think that gentleman who did or lady who did smoke the joint would need to wait fifty six times longer to fly me safely to wherever I'm going. That's preposterous to me. I don't understand that reality. I and I don't understand how that type of policy can exist in a world uh, where reasonable people have moved on to regulate cannabis. Um, yeah. That's wild, wild to me. But yeah, twenty-eight days, and, and this is—it's uh, not just them. It's like other, like the Mounties picked the same policy too, but Mounties don't get drug tested, so it's not—it's a little different. It's a little different for uh, these guys than the uh, Policia, but you know, pos- positive stuff going on too. Uh, the East Coast got its first outdoor commercial cannabis crop. Thrilled. Uh, it's, you know, the biggest, the biggest drawback of legal cannabis is, you know, licenses not going to everyone is up there too. But if you take away the, the way the social discrepancies where we're messing up right now, the biggest drawback to, to legal cannabis is the carbon footprint of indoor cultivation. Uh, it's, it's, and don't get me wrong. I, I love indoor cannabis. It's fantastic. It's boutique. It's, it's amazing. It can be done really well. You can, you can do it, uh, as responsibly as possible and you're going to use less water and all that jazz, but you know, a thousand watt lights, a thousand watt light. Uh, and it is what it is, but God, do I love that stuff. But it's also, you know, those, those electric bills are what drive up the price for the consumer. So we've heard we've heard out in Massachusetts where this crop's going to go down. You know we've heard about a lot about how patients are having trouble affording what's available in the market. Uh, getting rid of the electric bill is the first step in knocking that price down for patients considerably. It's you know some of the biggest overhead. All that I talked with uh, Mike Can from Boston, longtime activist from Boston. He noted that you know even 
in his opinion, even with the the farms opening, he doesn't think the the deals will make it back to the patients because there's no real competition right now. He doesn't think there's a, there's an incentive for them to give people the best deal possible. I have a bit more hope than that, but I I can see why folks would be cynical about the market. You know, it's it's the way it's treated people over the years has been rough, uh, and I you know I spent you know I grew up in Boston. I was there till oh uh, I was there till oh nine. I gra- I helped a little bit on decrim. Uh, you know, we did the state house for medical years before it got anywhere, and then the homies the homies got it done after I was already gone. But uh, it's Massachusetts has had a really weird culture around like cannabis. You know, every it's so pe- more people voted for decrim in Massachusetts than Barack Obama, but nevertheless, you know. All those years, you know, eight years later, we had the mayor of the biggest city in the state and the governor both leading the charge against legal cannabis on the grounds that, that you know, some, some type of war against addiction and somehow it would make society better to, to keep incarcerating people for things that aren't actually a crime while the state is going through these devastating opioid epidemic, you know, and everything associated with that. You know, New England's been hit hard. And the idea that, you know, the leadership, uh, the you know, the executive branch of the state and in the biggest city in the state think it's a better idea for those police resources to, you know, go after nickel and dime pot dealers. Just because decrim already passed, you know, that's like, oh, it's decrim. No one's getting arrested anyway. It's, people shouldn't be in cages for marijuana. It's that. It's not rocket science. And just to, you wish the leadership could take that, that idea a little, a little bit more seriously. But Massachusetts, the thing about it is, so I, as I mentioned, I had my own take on the outdoor situation. I expect that outdoor will be, uh, outdoor cannabis will be a cash grab across the nation. People like these folks in Massachusetts will, will get in the mix. They'll get those crops in the ground. They'll make a pretty penny. But I don't know how long people will be doing it for east of the Sierras. I, I think every I think a lot of the production of cannabis in the U.S. is going to move back to California. Uh, it's probably going to, you know, some, there's going to be a bunch of boutique cannabis coming down from the hills. There's going to be a ton of cannabis being grown in the valley. And I just can't see... The expertise, just I just don't I just don't know why. Why would it Why would it be grown anywhere else than this, here? It's in, you know, it's an ancestral homeland uh, in the in the Emerald Triangle. Uh, is you know the birthplace of the real U.S. the the good the U the good U.S. market. Obviously, people have been smoking Mexican brickweed for a hundred years, but you know the the flame flame coming back from the hippie trail, coming all those seeds coming back from Afghanistan before the Soviets showed up and ruined that party. Man, that uh that is another animal in itself, and I hope people can pull it off. I just I just don't understand how. Like, sure, but you know, it is what it is. I'm excited about uh, other awesome things coming up. Uh, so those those were the stories. Let me just get into the hypodex a little bit. We'll, we'll roll, unroll that. Uh, Cannabis Cup next week. Cal Palace, San Francisco, NorCal. The North, you know, some people would argue 
that uh, the cup scene has gotten dissolved or diluted, excuse me, diluted. I don't know. It's weird because back in the day, you had your main hitters, you had your chalice, you had your secret cup, you had your high times cups, and the Emerald Cup, obviously, and, and all big dogs. And now uh, maybe some sesh, maybe people took certain seshes a little bit more seriously. Uh, the way the accolades are given out of those, but you know, for the for the most part, you you had your big ones, and now uh, some people, you know, between the under between the black market sessions and the big dogs wanted that paid all those money for those permits to do legal stuff, wanting to go as hard as possible, you can see why uh, maybe they're throwing more there's more events than there used to be. The doll, you know, the money's there, and they're never empty. Then are they as crowded as they used to be? Hmm. Tough, tough to tough. Not sure yet, not sure yet. Uh, I think when I remember when I went to the first, I went to the first two legal cannabis cups back to back. First one, it was like you could see everyone dipping their toes in the water. You could see the homies that were like, "I want to be a part of this. I want to be. A part. I'm not going to miss out on history." But they were a little sketched out. Um, second one, everyone saw how good the first one went. It's like okay, you know, it was pretty much back to standard fare, but. The point I'm getting to is the Northern California Cups uh, bring out some of the absolute best growers on the planet. I love SoCal too, but like Northern California is murderer's row. I remember at the uh, 2010, uh, no, it was probably a little bit later than that, maybe 11, when they moved the when they moved the first uh, U.S. Cannabis Cup in San Francisco. They had it in Richmond, at Craneway Pavilion. I, I had the was lucky enough to go hit the judging at Dennis Perone's house uh, a few nights beforehand. And I remember Dan Sky taking the microphone and at one point just being like, oh, we're here. This is the real cannabis cup. This is actually where the best weed is. And in my travels, I have found that to be a pretty accurate statement. I, I truly believe some of the best can- – some of, if not the best cannabis in the world is located in Northern California – the exception of maybe a few killers down south and cuts getting traded, but generally speaking, the best weed in the world is in California. And one of the, even with all these cups and all these things, like one of the things that brings out the big dogs is the cannabis cup. And you see, you see folks best gear, and you see the the type of intention they're growing with, and the quality that they're really producing, and they're fighting for that cup. That's it's a big, big feather in the cap is the NorCal cannabis cup. There's only been, you know. Eight, a, uh, this so this might be nine this year probably. Um, but yeah, so this we got the ninth one coming up. You know, you win one, you got ten percent of all the <laughs> NorCal cannabis cups that ever been won. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, gotta love that. I uh, I applied to judge. We'll see. I'm crossing my fingers. Very cool of uh, high times to let the senior staff writer of one of their larger competitors uh, help judge their you know flagship contest. And I, you know, so kudos to them on that. I appreciate uh, the opportunity. Uh, and yeah, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep crushing. Uh, keep an eye on the weed news. I think this, uh, you know, I'm gonna try and keep it right around this. I think this, this is gonna be a good length, uh, unless I have a dope interview. Because you know, I got, I got some, we got we got some folks in the Rolodex we're gonna hit up for sure. But uh, a lot of the time, it's probably gonna be me ranting. And uh, yeah, pre- appreciate you guys stopping by, uh, and have an awesome weekend. Boom.